episode 20 this is the dandan and rj machismo podcast uh this is dandan um my co-host rj uh will not be in today so i tonight i got a real cool guest uh i got the legend the dc am sports legend mike callow of espn 6 30 am uh first and foremost it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on uh how are you doing today sir I'm good, man. I appreciate the uh, the kind word. And uh, yeah, I guess there aren't too many AM legends anymore. So yeah, I'll put myself on the list. I That's mean, fine. you know, you are like up there. So, you know, I, I wanted <laughs> to give your props. So um, yeah, so first and foremost, uh, you know, I hope every, every you know, you're, you and your family are well and safe over there. You're, you're, you're from Maryland, right? You're in Maryland, living in Maryland? Yeah, born, born and raised in Montgomery County, still here, haven't left, uh, just <laughs> that's where i want to live so i'm i'm not leaving anytime soon there you go yeah How, how's everything currently going on um you know in maryland with the current pandemic you know like it's fine like i mean obviously everywhere the numbers are kind of spiking up but um in terms of like how this area is handling it like i actually am like pretty proud like right away people were masked up around here like the distancing is pretty good like I, i'm i'm actually like even though numbers are going up, like it's, it's one of the better areas to be in. Nobody yells at each other for wearing masks or anything okay. like that. So <laughs> I could be, I'm pretty, pretty good with it right now. That's good. That's good. No, no, no target or, or target or Walmart incidents going on over there. No, 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 no okay. world star. That's great. <laughs> no world star. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So just a, a quick um, icebreaker with you, Kahlo. Uh, 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 tell us more about yourself. Um, I mean, like I said, you know, born and raised in Montgomery County. Um, you know, we'll get into more of it later, but I grew up in a Redskins family. Just we had season tickets and um, literally was like born in a Redskins sweatsuit. So like right away, like knew I was going to be, you know, a diehard fan. And, uh, you know, that team was pretty bad. So I jumped on to like the Caps and the Nats and like I just haven't let go of that. I've been so interested in all of it. And, you know, if you work in your passion, which is that, you know, it's not really work. So um, jumped into radio in, in 2013 and haven't looked back. I've somehow survived, you know, about seven years and being a younger guy in the business, I'm, I'm a little shocked at myself sometimes at it. So uh, all DC sports, everything. And, and I, I enjoy it all. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's a rare commodity these days, you know, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of bandwagon fans nowadays. So uh, there's not many of yeah. us uh, anymore, Callow. So, you know, stay, stay <laughs> far, stay true to the, to the team that you love. So much for appreciation. Sure. Um, so yeah, did you go to school for um, like um, for broadcast radio um, for that? Yeah, yeah. So um, it's funny. Like I didn't decide to get into radio till like right after I graduated high school. Um, I'm one of those guys that like I'm watching the game and I'll make like three quick points and like Joe Buck will say it like right after I've said it. So like it became a joke with all my friends in high school. Like oh like you know when are you gonna start announcing games? But like I don't want to announce games. I want to talk about it. So. Um, when I was like getting ready to go, I went to Montgomery college, they have a radio program. And then I actually started reading into it. And like, they have one of the best radio programs, like, like on the East coast actually, like it's known for like placing people in good positions. So went to school for it, worked and went to school at the same time. And then, um, you know, four or five years later, got an internship at 980 and here we are. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So a uh, little more uh, background about your, we, we can definitely get into, you know, your, your, your radio career currently. Um, so you were saying, you know, you, when you were a young kid, you were born a DC sports fan, I guess it was embedded in you through your parents and your family. 
Um, with your great grandfather father as an original Redskins season ticket holder, uh, what was it like being a part of a, a loyal DC sports uh, family? Um, interesting, like to say the least. Like Sundays definitely hinged on a win or a loss on you know the football team, and uh, it was it was pretty funny. Like it got to a point where I could tell like my parents, they had just seen like the three Super Bowls and they went to the last Super Bowl that, that the Redskins won. Like they were at red at uh, Super Bowl 26. And uh, like, that's one of my earliest memories is I remember them like dropping me off at my uncle's house to go to Minnesota. And so like, I always give them crap for it. Like, Oh, I could have been there. It could have been on your lap or something like, yeah, we're going to bring a child to the Super Bowl. We're going to like, you know, have a few drinks or whatever. And uh it was it was interesting, um, but it was it was really funny because like early two thousands when when Dan got the team, um, my parents weren't liking it at all. They didn't like the new stadium. I mean, not a hot take there, right? Like a lot of people don't don't like Dan or or the new stadium. When that happened though, like, and their interest waned a little bit. My interest had to go somewhere else. So, um, uh, in like two thousand five, two thousand six ish, when the Nats got here, that became uh, like. That became my second team right away. And then um, in 2008, when Ovechkin, you know, got into the playoffs the first time, like I was hooked. Like all of a sudden hockey, like was, it was football on ice, you know, like you, you've watched the million games. Like it's, there's nothing like watching that sport live. So all of a sudden it was like, oh, I have like two other outlets here and put those three together. And then like that senior Ovechkin got into the playoffs was the Gilbert Arenas years for the Wizards. So like my, my energy just like was all over the place. And I was like, oh man, there's like more to this town than football. Like, this is crazy. I didn't even know this. So yeah, it was, yeah. it was basically long story short. They gave me the energy to go root for all the other teams pretty much. Wow. So it was basically like based on what you were saying, it's, it was Gilbert Arenas. It was Alex Trevechkin. It was Nicholas Backstrom, you know, um, let's let's yeah. bring it back uh Levon Hernandez I'm not, you know with with the Nats yeah right you know oh yeah absolutely a little little Dimitri Young action with the Nats uh, I mean the OG the OG the OG for all of us is Kyle Ripken like of course I grew up watching the Orioles like but when Cal left like I lost interest as a kid I had no interest in it but yeah absolutely it was Ovi it was Gilbert I was honestly a bigger Karan Butler fan than, than Gilbert for a hot sec so like I was all in with tough juice so um when they had those three, like that was, it was amazing here. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. So, um, what was, so what was your fondest memories with those Washington wizards? Um, you know, those, oh. that big three, like, what was, what was your fondest memories with that? Oh man. To, for me, it, it's gotta be when, I mean, obviously the Gilbert 60 point game against the Lakers is like, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, to call his shot and like, to trash talk Kobe and Kobe trash talk him. Like even looking back now, that's an amazing set. Like just to like go back and kind of listen to that. Um, that's probably one of my top ones there. I loved the, um, the MLK walk-off shot. Um, I think they were playing Utah, I think yeah. I want to say. Yeah. Uh, where he, he shot it up and he turned around and put his hands up before the thing went in like that. Um, I mean, in any any time Gilbert got got it on with LeBron, right? Like LeBron oh hated God. the Wizards for a while there, like, mm -hmm. and that was cool. Like we were the villains, you know. Like it was fun being at, um, you know, Cap One, Verizon Center, whatever you want to call it, and like Cavs fans being so mad because like the Wizards shouldn't have been like going at them like that, and they would, and it was fantastic. So I'd say like the LeBron and and Kobe feud is probably my favorite. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm a, you know, you are a Gilbert Arenas fan. I, I see your your number nine jersey, very rare. You know, might might I say? So, um, you know, Gilbert Arenas, my opinion. I've never said it in the podcast, um, my our podcast. Like, I think he's like the greatest Washington Wizard, my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. no, no offense to John Wall or Bradley Beal, but you know, for those five years, he was a top top five player, NBA player. Before the injuries, um, and you know, had he didn't get injured, had he didn't have with the gun incident, we would have won a championship, my opinion. I mean, that's just my opinion. It would he would have been made it to the NBA finals. Um, and he would have he would have retired as a Washington Wizard. So um, you know, it, it's just it is unfortunate that it had to happen that way, but um, and I see why, like, the Washington Wizards had to blackball him. Like, he doesn't mention of his name. He doesn't mention of his accolades. Not even, not even his birthday. That, that's, that's sad, you know? It's, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, Ted's, Ted is very specific on how, how he wants to run things. So, for us as a, you know, diehard Wizards fan, we'll always, like, cherish those, like, those good memories, right? So... All right. Um, so next uh, question for you, Calo. Um, one of the one of your hobbies that you enjoy is collecting national. Oh, uh, go ahead. I have. No, oh, can you hear me, uh, Calo? I think you're breaking up a little bit. There we go. I got you. Awesome. I got you back. All right. Cool. Yeah, I can hear you. All right. Um, next question for you, Calo. Um, so one <laughs> of the hobbies uh, that you enjoy, and I see it from your head to your shirt is collect oh no are we good there we go yeah okay i'll record oh we're good we're good we're recording all right five okay. four <laughs> three two you know how it is when when we get stuff like this all right okay. Carlos. so uh next question for you um one of your hobbies that you enjoy uh doing and i see it you know from your your head and then you know the jersey that you're wearing right now uh it's collecting you know sports memorabilia so um i know you, you collect a lot of you know, just talking to you just now, you collect a lot of game-worn uh, memorabilia, a lot of hard-to-find uh, merch. Um, which ones are your favorites, and which ones were the ones difficult to find? Hello. Did I get you back? Oh, got you. Did, you. did you hear my question? Did you say hats or jerseys? I know. So I'll, I'll repeat it again. All right. Um, so one of the hobbies okay. that you enjoy, um, that you enjoy doing is collecting hats and fitteds, right? So which ones are your favorite, um, you know, fitteds that you've acquired and which ones were the most difficult to find? So this is like a loaded question for me. It's like, like kind of like picking between children a little bit, but like <laughs> my, my, my favorite ones that I got and like, I didn't really realize how rare they were is, I, I knew somebody that was working at the park and they got the opening night hats from Nationals Park. So they all have a special patch on them with the date of the game. And I have six of the starters from that night. So including um, Oliver Perez who started. So I have like the hat that was worn for the first pitch ever at Nationals Park. So in terms of like game use, like those are my favorite. And the funniest part about that is the three starters I'm missing, I think I'm missing Nick Johnson, who started at first base. I'm missing Zimmerman, 
who of course played, but his is in the Hall of Fame. So that, I never had a shot at that one. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then the third one was the catcher. I don't think the catcher was wearing a hat. So like I have almost everyone that you could get if you collect that stuff. So wow. um, game you, that's probably my favorite. Just like, you know, anyone that you can buy in store. Um, just sentimental value is the World Series hat from last year. I mean, you're never going to beat it. I remember when I bought it, like, I was just thinking, like, is this even real life? And, like, I, I barely wear it because I don't want to ruin it. So I just wear all the other ones that I bought in, like, the coming months. I have every different patch. I have the pink underbrim World Series one. Like, I have I have a bunch of them. So, um, but in terms of game used and regular, like, those are my two favorites. The 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 opening pitch for, for Nationals Park, probably my favorite, like, game used one, though. Wow, that's that's super rare. So like, where do you, where do you store those, um, those game worn like fitteds? <laughs> so I bought one of the, I don't want to like give them a free plug, but whatever. Everyone knows I love them. Hat club sells the hat duffer. Okay. So I literally bought that just to store my game used ones. So like that way no one ever accidentally grabs one. Like it can't get messed up. Like they're sealed. And I've, I probably got about 20 of the game used ones because <laughs> I collect players too. So like, I got a Strauss in there somewhere. I got Gio, who was when he wore a camo hat one one day. Um, I also have actually my rarest game used one um, is Scherzer's Expos hat from when he started the Expos Day last year. Like that's oh. top of the line for me actually. When I'm now that I'm thinking about it again, so <laughs> you got the jersey too, right? You got the Expos uh, Scherzer jersey. The not the game used one, but the replica. Yeah, I, I definitely shelled. I definitely shelled out for it because I knew when I saw it, like. When am I going to buy it? Like, when am I going to have a chance to buy this? When are you going to see like, it again? Yeah. Yeah. There were only, like, literally, like, six or seven on the rack, too. So, I was just like, yeah, I'm copping. Like, I know this is going to cost me so money, but wow. when am I I'm not going to be able to buy it? So. Wow. That's, that is awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, like, do you just go to – when you buy your stuff, like, do you go online? Do you – I mean, for you working at the industry, I'm sure, like, you know, there's networking going on like how do how do you acquire those things well it's funny like being in in the industry does me nothing actually because it's all money talks so like there's honestly like <laughs> i'm not even joking the nats i would they they used to sell their game used stuff um with the dream foundation which was their charity nothing wrong with it except they sold their stuff really cheap like i got those opening nights hats for 25 bucks a piece i know they're worth like hundreds of dollars a piece and it got to a point where it wasn't just me, but it was a lot of other people kind of lining up there to buy whatever they had. And the resale market was crazy. People were just flipping it on eBay or, you know, hoarding a bunch of it, whatever. And no joke, like a couple years after they started doing that, they didn't get any more game used stuff. And then they opened up a game used stand that's in the park now. And like, this isn't new, other ballparks do this, but like, I'm pretty sure they realized really quick, like, oh, we have a, we have a big market for this. So they opened that up. And if you honestly, like you make friends with the people that are there and, and email the memorabilia people, they'll send you a spreadsheet of everything that they have. And it doesn't like, there's no ends, whatever. They just, they'll tell you what's available. You got the cheddar, they'll, they'll get it to you. And then there you go. What, what you do though, is at the end of every year, they do an equipment sale. And when they do that, it's usually the previous year's stuff you can get for like half off or like 40% off, depending who it is. So you got to got to know what you're going to dive into. But, you know, I, I just know, like, I'll know that like, oh, you know, 
Gio started that game on Memorial Day where he was wearing that hat or like Strasburg, you know, didn't pitch this game, but I know he was wearing that jersey. Like you just kind of have got to have a photographic memory a little bit. Uh So you just, you'd kind of just ask. And then honestly, other people trade stuff. They like to trade stuff or sell it to buy new stuff. So I belong to like a couple of groups that have that, but yeah, it's a little bit of luck involved too. (laughs) Nice. Nice. All right. So that, that's, that's pretty, (laughs) that's an awesome, uh, that's that's some gems that you dropped Carlos. So uh, next question for you. Uh, Another thing, another hobby that you enjoy is also in in related to hats is collecting sports jerseys. So which ones are your favorites that you own? And um, you know, is there any ones that you're still looking for? Oh man, looking for, I don't think I'm looking for anything right now. Like I'm kind of weird when it comes to jerseys. It's only when it like pops into my head that I'm like, oh man, I need that. Because a lot of times if I want something, I'll just grab it, you know, like it's, it's not hard these days. Um, in terms of favorites, like I love the number nine Gilbert. I have the orange bullets Gilbert, like any Gilbert Arenas jersey I'm all in on because as you said, the five years here were so good. And like, if, if you see someone else rocking one and like they see you and they, they were like, it just, it's an instant conversation. Um, in terms of like, you know, wizards, those are the best ones. I have the Bradley Beal all-star Jersey from LA a couple years back too. That one's pretty rare. Like I don't order that from the Lakers because they're the only ones that had it. So, um, that's, that's in terms of basketball, that's it. When it comes to Nats, I got a ton of favorites because, their game used jerseys are cheap, man. Like I can, I can snag four or five of those for 50 bucks a pop. Um, but like, I've got a couple that have huge dirt stains on them. Like I have a Danny Espinosa, like the whole entire front is just all dirt. And it was when he slid into home. So like, uh, those ones, those ones are like probably my favorites. Um, I've got a, um, Strasburg jersey that he wore on the bench for one of the, um, Memorial days. So like that one has camo letters on it. I love that one. Um, one of the other cool ones I actually got last year, um, was Davey Johnson's, um, jersey near the end of his tenure with the team and it had the Navy yard patch on it because of the Navy yard shooting. So that was kind of cool to get like one of those with the patch on it. Um, but when it comes to Nats, I got so many and like, I started to collect like the wall of shame a little bit too. Like I snagged a Drew Storen for really cheap, cheap, like a playoff Adam Roche jersey. Like I started kind of doing this thing where I was like, I want like epically bad jerseys now because nobody wants them. And they're like, <laughs> I was there the whole way. And now that like they won the world series, it's like, you know, I have, I have the whole lead up is what I'm saying. Like I was there yeah. when they sucked. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I think I saw your your uh, social media. Were, you were looking for a, a Gerardo Parra. Were you able to to get a Nationals Parra jersey? Not one like not a majestic one. Like uh, so, like I, it's hard to find a pre-made one because the ones made at Nats Park, I'm not a big fan of. Like I mean, it's fine if that's your thing, but you know how it is. Like there's just little differences, and you can tell when it's not like the real thing. So mm-hmm. I never found the Parra. I'm still so bitter about the blue jerseys never being sold. Like, I mean, the Nike ones are are there, but like, I wanted the majestic ones so bad. So that was, uh, I didn't get that one. I did want to mention those. uh, I do have a Cole, a a, um, Cole Holcomb football team Jersey. That one's game used. Like that's, that's like my, my pride and joy right now. Wow. (laughs) What did did he give that to you or were you able to obtain it through like, like how that one, um, it's a website called Victory Mondays, and it's um, 
Michael Thomas, not the, the Saints wide receiver, but the Texans player. And he started this website where he was going to get game used memorabilia from players. And then all of the proceeds go to black colleges. So like, I just got an ad for it one day and it was like Cole Holcomb's first Jersey, you know, from the football team, like when they beat the Eagles. And I was like, shoot, like, I'm going to try to bid on that. And like, no one bid on it. So like, it was an easy snipe. And then he signed it, personalized it to me. Like, says like to Mike with, uh, you know, like first win, first game as the football team. So like, that's cool. That's like one of my favorite ones that I got right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that man, that, that's great. Especially like no, nobody bidded on, nobody bid on that auction because yeah. nobody wanted, you know, nobody wanted Washington football team. They're not out there. I think there. no one knew. About yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's a yeah. That's a, that's a snipe right there. How about like, um, how about um, hockey sweaters? Like, I'm sure you got like a whole bunch of cap stuff. Yeah, ton. Like, um, I'm trying to think like what I like the most in terms of replica. My favorite replica is I have a Ovechkin Stanley Cup style jersey. I don't know if you know about this one. Like, so like in baseball, like you know they have the gold jerseys, right? Where they have gold trim, like all that. The Nats had them last year. Mm-hmm. All the other teams do it. When the Caps won for like for like maybe a month, Fanatics had them. They were silver. Um, like anything that's white on the jersey was silver. So like the Capitals logo on the front is silver. The eight is silver on the back, the silver captain's patch. Like that's my favorite replica right now because I don't see a lot of people with it. I don't think people really like understood like what it was. And, you know, that's my favorite replica in terms of caps. Um, In terms of game use caps, I got an obscure one. Like it's my, it's like my favorite jersey. So John Carlson played for a junior team called the London Knights. That's in Ontario, and Dale Hunter coached him there. And when he was a Caps prospect, I was just, like, following along, like, where he was at, whatever. And so I was just following, following, and then they auctioned his jersey off, and I snagged that one, too. Like, that one went for a little bit, but, like, it was just, I don't know, I had this feeling like John was going to be a good player. So it was the jersey he wore the whole entire season in his juniors, and – that one is tight because it's just beat up. Like it's all torn up. There's rips, there's holes, there's like legit tears in it. Like it's awesome. And then just seeing how good he's been, like that thing, it's awesome for me. Wow. Man, that's, do you have like jerseys that you hang on the wall? Like that's framed like in your house, in your home? I don't actually, I should. Like it's, it's a cardinal sin that I don't display some of them, but like I've been constantly moving the past like okay. two years. So like, I haven't gotten a chance to do it. Um, my goal is honestly to get a frame for each team. Okay. And then, like, I can take the frame in and out. And that way I can, like, you know, throw, throw different ones up, like, every month or something nice. like that. That's, that's yeah. the goal, right? Yeah, I'm sure that that's the goal when, you, you know, have your, you know, when, when you're settled in, you'll have your own man cave. You have all, like, your – Exactly. All your merch. All, you know, I'm sure you have bobbleheads, <laughs> too, and towel, rally towels. You know, all, all, of them. The, all the kinks, you know. <laughs> Man, that's yeah, that's exactly. awesome. That's awesome. All right, so we're gonna dive in um to towards what you're doing now, uh, Mike. Um, you you started your full time opportunity with the current Washington football team, uh, radio broadcaster Brand Weinstein, back in 2016 with uh es with um the team 980, and later worked with Bram with ESPN 630. Um, what makes Bram unique from the radio personalities that you work with? Man, um, it's it's kind of funny because I, I was working with like former players like B. Mitch and Doc, and I know we'll get into that in a little bit. But I think 
me and Bram, where we connect so well and what makes him unique is like, he is a fan like I was like starting out. Right. And then we're both still fans. And like, I think sometimes media people lose it a little bit in our business where like, they're kind of too, too cool for school. And like, they're, they, they like kind of root for the team, but they're not full like rah, rah. And I think that's where Bram and I kind of get along where it's like, we want all the teams to be good. We, we know we have to criticize them at times, but we can get, we can root for them at any time. Um, and he's really unique because he grew up a fan like I did and then covered the team for like six, seven years. So he's not afraid to go at him. Um, and then he left for a little bit. And what's funny is like the time that he left is the time that I became a huge sports fan. So like, it, it's really funny to see where like our gaps kind of like line up like that because I can chime in on the stuff that like he doesn't quite remember. And he, he'll even say like, oh man, yeah, like I totally forgot about that. And we fit really well on when he left and when I like became a huge fan and was like in high school and stuff. So um, it's, it's kind of cool how we, we match up on that. Um, but in terms of just working with him, he's easy. Like he doesn't take himself too seriously. Like in this business, you know, you can, you can see sometimes guys take themselves seriously and um, you know, he's, he's pretty lighthearted, which is like, just makes him really easy to work with. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely shows, especially like with, uh, with him, you know, doing the, the play by play broadcasting, like you can tell, like this is, this comes naturally with him because he first of you know, he's a, he loves the team. He knows the team from yeah. one to 53, like a top to bottom. Um, and he knows, he knows the, the cadences, like the, what's going on with the player. So to me, like, it's, it's, it's very refreshing for me to hear him like on the broadcast. Sometimes what I do is like, I'll, I'll mute, I'll mute the, the game and then I'll keep, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll put the, I'll put their broadcast on. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do that, you know, just to get the authentic feel of like a DC sports type of, uh, broadcasting. So that's my little like secret when I, when I, when I watch like, Washington football team games. Um, and it's, what's also cool too, like when I remember I was listening with you and, um, and Bram, I think, yeah. And, and he's also a Gilbert arenas fan. Uh, there was a, there was a topic where like, I think when Gilbert was with the big three and then he was talking like, you know what? I'm like a, you know, I don't know what it's if it's I think mid 40, I'm, I'm mid forties. Like, do you see me wearing a Gilbert Arenas jersey? Because I want to, but for the same at the same time, I think I'm pretty much like, you know, out of the culture, yeah, you know, or how how kids say it nowadays. So to me, it's so it's so um it's refreshing, and it's at the same time like I get you, I I totally get like where you know where he is now because like, he's still a, a fan of like the DC sports area, yeah. and that shows like every time like you you know like you hear him. Yeah, I mean, and that was. To, to jump into like the football team stuff, like, dude, I, I found out the same day everyone else did. Like I got a phone call from him a couple hours before the press release happened. And I was, you know, I said, congrats, whatever. But I was actually in the same thought as everyone else. Like I, I hadn't heard him do play by play before. And like, I turned, I did the same thing you did. I, I synced it up with the broadcast and like, he started calling the game and I was like, Oh my God, like he sounds fantastic. I, I like, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I just didn't know what to expect. And I think I was in the same boat as everybody, but I, like you can hear it in his voice. Like when they score touchdowns and stuff, he sounds like a completely different person too. Like yeah. I've worked with him for four years and like he called that first touchdown. I was like, Oh man, like I've, I've never even heard this side of him before. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Like his diaphragm yeah. just came out like touchdown. Yeah. Washington yeah. like oh my god like I've never heard I've of all the time like I've heard him on radio 
you know, I guess it's something refreshing for all of us to see, like him, like broadcasting games. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it, it it has that more authentic feel, in my opinion, because sometimes with like the the national coverage, they don't know the team, they don't know what's going on, you know, with like Ron. They all they know what's what he's going through and like quarterback change and this this and that. Yeah. You know, like they're not there every day when they see practice, and Ram knows he's he's there, like he's there all the time. So, you know, props to them, you know, Julie Donaldson and, you know, um, D. Hall. I think they're doing a great job uh, with that. Um, so next question for you, uh, Calo. Um, so you've been, you were, you've been a producer uh, for the Team 980 and uh, currently with ESPN uh, 630 for several, several years. Um, how much do you enjoy working with, you know, radio personalities such as, you know, Doc Walker, Brian Mitchell, um, you know, Bram that we just touched in, um, Kevin Sheehan, Karen Maloney, uh, just to name a few. So how much did you enjoy, like, working with those sports personalities? I mean, everyone you mentioned, like, first off, like, completely professional. Like, super lucky in that, like, getting to interact with everyone you just talked about. Like, I can't really remember it and, like, many bad things about it, you know? Like, uh, to just start off with, with like, who who you mentioned, like, I worked with Doc for about a year on his show while he did it for three years, you know, or, um, well, he did for three hours, not three years, but, like, three hours a day, it was me and him, and what was cool with Doc is Doc is so old school. So like he told me when the show was starting, he's like, I need you to be like all new school. I'm going to call you the millennial on the show. He's like, I'm going to play dumb some days, but like, just deal with me. Like, like say what you need to say. And like, it actually, there'd be days where he'd legitimately like to use the wrestling term, like fire me up. Like he would, he would, I could tell he would troll me some days, but like I'd start yelling at him and then he would turn his mic off and just start, start laughing. And I knew he was just like messing with me some days. So doc, doc is, is awesome. Like, uh, I, I love doing that show with him. Um, it was a great three hours every day. And the way people remember doc too, like always kind of humbles you a little bit because everyone would call in and like praise him and stuff. And you, you like forget you're working with the champion every day. And then after Doc, of course, was with B Mitch and like B Mitch is like just a firecracker, like, but he's, he's, he, it's funny. You can tell he tackles radio the same way he tackles being a player. Like he shows up ready to work every day. He's like, all right, man, like, what do you have for me? Like he was very trusting of me too. And um, just, just a really nice guy too. Like it, it's, uh, he's going to hate me for saying this, but he's a big softy. Like he's, he's a father of three girls and I think he's got a son too, but he's a softy at heart like he's he's the type of dude though like you know you don't want to you don't want to piss him off but for the most part like he's he's super humble super nice dude um in terms of the others um Kevin I didn't get to work with as much I produced for him here and there but he's the type that I'm so impressed with how much he always knows off the top of his head like I'm sitting there watching him like just looking at a computer screen and he's reading or like looking at something you know, just real quick. And then like, he all of a sudden knows the topic better than you thought you knew it. So um, I loved working with Kevin. I haven't worked with him as much. And then um, with Carol, Carol was over with me at, at 6.30 um, before she got let go. And like, same thing, just nice, professional. Um, she prepared harder for any show than anyone that I knew. And she'll even tell you that because she knew being a woman in sports that like, if she screwed up somewhere, there'd be that, you know, jabroni on Twitter saying like, oh, you don't know anything or like, what are you doing? Whatever. I, she worked her ass off every day. And I commend her for that because I knew like 
you know, I'm not saying I knew what she was going through, but I knew why she was studying so hard every day to do her show. Yeah, that's awesome. So like another thing I like when, when you were working with, with Doc um, with, with, during those time, um, since you're a producer, like those segues with the music, like, you know, you got a, you got a pretty old soul, you know, if my opinion, like you got, you got a nice mix. You got like Smokey Robinson. You got like, you got the, you got Diana Ross, you got the Supremes. And, and then the doctors are like, Calo, man, you're speaking, you're speaking my language. And then even the callers too, like they're asking, they're asking for like requests for you to, Hey, can you play a little bit more, more, more Marvin game in the next segment? Yeah. And then like, even your guests too, like they're asking for like requests. So, I think that's pretty cool that, you know, you're also, you can you tie in your music taste with like, with your work. So I think it goes hand in hand. Yeah. Like I was raised in a musical household. Like, so I was all in with like oldies for the most part growing up and then like, you know, latch on to my brother and sister, like whatever they were listening to. And then like, I just, all that evolved. And like, so I know everything too. Like doc um doc's funny though because he used to love and hate stuff like i thought he would like some certain vibes but then he'd kill me on the break coming in like what is this crap like <laughs> I, I remember i played outcast. i played outcast like so fresh and so clean and he was like what is this crap never play that song ever again i was like what how are you hating on outcast like that and he's like he i don't said, even know and who they he are he says that he says that too on live radio like callo yeah. I know about all cats, yeah. but don't play that song again with me. Yeah. And I'm like rolling my eyes, like, oh my, <laughs> did he not listen to AT Aliens? Like, come on. Right. right. I know his kids listen to that. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, that's what's funny. His son is my, or his, his son uh, was my age. So, like, he would just be like, you know, don't play any of, any of the new crap. You know, you know <laughs> what to play. And I was like, all right, dude, I got you. I got you. It was the same thing with B Mitch, too, though. Like, you know, I, I like, I think as a producer, you look into that and it's like, what, what you know, you're going to talk sports every day. You know, you're going to be on for X amount of time a day. Like, what can I do to lighten the mood up or like put you in a little bit of a better mood? So like, I always think the music is an easy one. Like, and especially when they don't realize what's coming either. Like B Mitch was funny. The first day I played Prince for B Mitch, like he killed a whole segment talking about how when the Red, the then Redskins were in Minnesota for the Super Bowl, like, they got to meet Prince and like that was like one of the best days of his life like because he got to meet Prince at some club like you, you have like little things like that and it just makes your show sound better. Wow that's awesome yeah I mean you know th those are big personalities too um, you know like I guess it's, it's more of a DC thing right where like you you listen to DC sports radio you know the radio personalities you know what they like and then you just be, a, you know, you're basically a part of, they're basically um, a part of your day because you guys make our day go by, you know, <laughs> if it wasn't, honestly, if it wasn't for you guys, and this is me, like, as a, as a listener, you know, you know, life would be boring. Like I wouldn't be in touch with like DC sports or I wouldn't think about DC sports in a, you know, in a different light. So, you know, much appreciated to you guys, you know, for, for all you guys do. Thank you. Sure. All right. Um, so next question for you, um, Calo. So as a diehard um, Washington, actually, um, another, I'm sorry. Do you were also, we were also the producer for the Washington Capitals games and you were mm -hmm. also a part of the 2018 Stanley Cup run. What was that experience like for you covering a team and as a fan? Um, 
the first word that comes to mind is unreal. Like it still like doesn't feel real. Um, and it, it was funny. Like that was only my second year producing, but the year before 2016, 17 was like, that was the year they had to win. Like everyone said that was the last year. Like the team's going to get blown up afterwards. And I, I always circle back to when they lost to the penguins in that second round i think it was in six games i want to say it was six games or seven but um like i always circle back to that moment of being like crap like i'm going to produce these all these broadcasts and like i don't know if i'm ever going to see them win a cup like this is going to be like you know i get paid either way whether they win or they lose but as a fan it was like man it's a tough one to swallow and i'll uh i'll never forget like everyone kind of going oh the window is closed this and that and like going into the year, I was looking at the roster going like, windows actually not closed. Like they have all the main guys back. Like I think they'll be okay. I was like, I don't know if they'll, where they'll go, but like regular season, they should be fine. And um, that whole year was like up and down. Like Trotz almost got fired a couple of times. Like, you know, me just having proximity with the team, even I was hearing it. Like it was, it was crazy. And then, um, you know, they get in, they win the division, and then Grubauer starts those first two games, and it's like, oh, all right, like, damn, they're they they might lose again. Like, this is this this could be bad. And Eller scores in overtime in that third game, and all of a sudden they were back. Like, they beat Columbus, and then you know the Penguins were there waiting for them. And when they won against the Penguins, I think we all kind of knew, like, oh, like, like it's it's probably happening here. But I um everyone has like their moment of like when they thought they were going to win the Stanley cup and mine's later than everybody's like the Tampa series I was worried about. And if you remember, like they were up two nothing Tampa won three and then they had to win six and seven. And what I remember the most about that is how calm everybody was like, and even John, like working with John Walton. Um, like I remember he was just like cool, calm, collected. He's like, think we're going to win like we always say like right before the broadcast hits we're always like all right who's everyone got like who's going to win and like remember all of us were like they're going to win like game six game seven they both won and then I had a deal with John too and this is me being a fan and the producer um if they made it to the Stanley Cup I told him I need to go to a game I was like I don't need to go to game six don't need to go to game seven but like need to go to one so ended up being game one was going to be Memorial Day Monday, but it was going to be in Vegas. But I had already had a flight out to California to come visit my brother. So I just told John, I was like, look, I'm going to miss game one, but I'll see you in Vegas. And he was like, all right, that works for me. And so like one of my favorite moments, to, not to get too off topic, was like the way our broadcasts work, I'm in studio. And then at the game, it's John Walton, Ken Saverin. And for the playoffs, it's Ben Ravy. And then we also have an engineer, um, Tim. Tim only does home games, but because Vegas was such a cluster and getting um, radio engineers, he flew Tim out to run the games from the stadium. So the night before game one, we all go to dinner. And like John looks around and he goes, we're never in the same room together but we're all here in Las Vegas, like, and the caps are in the cup. So like, it was this crazy moment of like, this isn't even really like real life, but like, that was one of my favorite moments, but to get to like what I was saying when I realized they were going to win, it was when I watched game one and game one was the one they lost. And like people forget though, that game was super entertaining. 
Vegas threw everything they had at the Caps, and the Caps still should have won because there was a crappy call when they scored. And I remember thinking, like, they're going to win. I was like, it took Vegas throwing everything at them, and they still barely won. And I remember walking out of that place. Vegas fans were like, oh, like, we're in trouble. And Caps fans were like, oh, like, we got you. Like, we're going to win this. And lo and behold, they won the next four. So I knew after game one they were going to win the Cup. Yep. So, you know, blame, blame Justin Reeves, right, for game one, for <laughs> being yeah. for being an ass. Exactly. So that, that's but, why he got put into place. They, we haven't heard of him after game one. So, I mean, exactly. that controversial goal, like where, oh, yeah, I scored. You know, there, there was literally interference. I was yelling and screaming, <laughs> like, how could you not call that? It was, like, right in front of you. you know? Dude, I was there, and people, like, even Vegas fans were like, oh, like, that shouldn't, that shouldn't have happened. And I was like, yeah, I know. Like, we should, we should be winning this right now. So, yeah, it was crazy. That is wild. So, um, what was, like, what, what, what was, where were you when, when, when they won it all? Like, how, how was that experience for you as a fan and also as a <laughs> You know, I'm sure if you you were, you were working that day, what was that day like for you? So, like, uh, for me, it, it was kind of surreal, like, just with everything. Like, you know, you grow up a D.C. sports fan. You, you know, you get into the radio business, like, six years before, five years before, I guess, at this point. And, like, you don't ever envision yourself actually producing the game that is going to be, like, an iconic championship, you know? Like, there's there's nothing that, like, gets you set for that moment, but, like, I was literally by myself in studio and I wouldn't have had it any other way. Cause I was kind of thinking to myself, like who else would you rather be right now? Like in, in our business, like it was, it was surreal. Like, I mean, I, I don't care that I'll say it. Like I definitely cried when Ovi picked up the cup. Like I was, I was glad nobody was in the same room as me. So um, it was, it was pretty surreal. And I remember I didn't leave that place probably till like one thirty in the morning, just cause we, we ran long on the broadcast. And, um, I also knew too, like I wasn't going to get to Vegas. So not being uh, like there, I was completely at home with like, and the fact that I got to go to one game, I, I was pretty happy with the, the thing that I like really loved was parade day. Cause I knew I had the end at that point, like no broadcast to produce when the parade was happening. So like, I got good media spot for that. Didn't have to deal with the crowd. Like John Walton took the radio crew out afterwards. Like that was, that was like probably the most fun I had in a long, long time. Yeah. I mean, no offense to the nationals. Um, that, that caps parade was much more entertaining. Oh, and it was more organized dude. too, in my opinion. Oh, not only that, like as somebody who's a huge sports fan and just, just knows how the organizations go, the caps did everything right. They pushed it back a few days and like got everything right. Made sure they got the mall when the nationals didn't have the mall, man. Like I knew that was going to be a cluster. Like when they had to do it on constitution Ave, I was, I knew it was going to be as good. The only thing is I understand why the Nats did what they did was because when they won the world series, I think um, literally like the new year started the day after. So I kind of understood why they rushed it through, but I wish they would have just waited a couple of days to get the right permits and stuff. So they could have had it like the caps parade, but I'm with you. The caps parade was like exponentially more nuts than, than the Nats one was. Wow. That's awesome. So, and then um, you were also, I, I saw, I also saw on your social media, you were also gifted uh, a, a championship ring. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, John Walton um, made sure I got a ring. Um, 
it's it's more thanks to Ted Leonsis because I know he was kind of handing them out to everybody and um yeah it was pretty cool John John called me one day I was like I need your ring size and I was like well like you know you're, you're messing with me and he was like nah he's like I got you I got you on like it'll come in a bit but got it for me and then I'd forgotten about it for a while and then we all went out to grab drinks one night after a game I think it was like the night before Thanksgiving, like that, that Wednesday night or something. And he was like, come on out. Like, you know, I've got friends in town, like we'll, we'll come over towards you. And this place that we went to um, had like an open mic or something. And John just like, I don't know where he went. And then at some point he grabs an open mic and then just announces to the bar that like, I'm getting a Stanley cup ring. So it was like this really like surreal <laughs> scene. I guess <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is happening. Cool. So it was awesome. Uh, I, I cherish it. It's probably my prized possession. I have all these, all these jerseys and hats and stuff. That's that's easily the number one. That's what I was saying. Like, uh, I know you have a cha- you have a Stanley Cup championship ring with your name engraved on it. So, um, so how <laughs> yeah. often, how often, like, do you like wear it? So the first year they won, like, I was wearing it. I'd say on average, like once a week, like just to just to flash it. But um, as time passed, like, you kind of you kind of don't want to be flashing that too much. It, it's yeah. an expensive piece of jewelry. So um, I would say on now though, like I, I do it for special occasions. Like if I'm going to a wedding or something or like a family gathering, um, I have no hesitation to, to throw on, but um, not, not as much anymore just because also, you know, we're, we're a couple of years removed. I, I can still be pumped about it, but um, it's been a little bit. Yeah, I mean, hopefully when they make their their championship run, you know, playoff run, you know, next season, when when the world isn't weird anymore, you know, maybe we can we can see that yeah. that Stanley Cup ring again. <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> All right. So uh, next question for you, Calo. Uh, um, as a diehard Washington Capitals fan, uh, in your opinion, do you believe Alex Ovechkin can beat the uh, NHL all-time scoring record? And do, do you think they have a chance at another Stanley Cup run before we, he, before he retires? Um, I'll answer the, the second question first. Um, I love the Laviolette hire. Like, if they're going to win another one, it's going to come in the next two to three years. And Laviolette tends to have his teams play really well for two years at a time, and then he gets fired. And then that's, that's no secret. That's just what happens. Um, so, yes, they're, they're going to have a shot to win one here in the next two years. I'm really excited to see what Henrik Lundqvist does next year too. Like having a future hall of fame goalie, get a change of scenery, play here in DC. Like this is a powerhouse. Everyone talks about how loud it is here, all the fans here, whatever. So um, yeah, for sure. They can win a championship in the next couple of years. I have no doubt in my mind, um, especially because the Eastern conference has told you whoever's supposed to win doesn't normally win anymore. Like whoever's in the first seed, usually doesn't win I mean it happened this year with Tampa but it was also a really weird year so yeah I kind of chalk it up to that um in terms of Ovechkin breaking the scoring record we're dealing with some dicey times now I thought if you would have asked me you know last year yes 100% he's gonna do it the Russian machine never breaks like dude does is not slowing down now I have my doubts just because he should have scored 50 last year, got cut short. This year should score a bunch more, but they're only going to play like 50-ish games is what I'm hearing. Um, so 
if he does, he's going to have to go crazy. And I'm not sure there's enough kind of runway left in his career to do it. I think he's going to get really, really close, but I'm, I'm having my doubts. I don't want to answer yes or no to that is pretty much what I'm saying, but I'm, I'm less confident than more confident now, unfortunately. It's just, you know, a COVID thing, really, honestly. I think he's going to play for a long time and he, he hasn't slowed down, but there's not, there might not be enough career left for him to do it. So how many more years do you think he has left before, you know, productive wise? That's a great question. Like I would have thought he would have slowed down by now, but he hasn't. Um, I, I would say he's probably got four years left to score, you know, 45, 50 goals. And then what does a drop off look for him? You know, look like for him, it could be a 30 goal scorer, you know, if he's not even a hundred percent. So I think he's got four years left kind of to score a bunch and then, Depends how healthy he is, but I, th I could see him playing another like eight years if he doesn't yeah. mind, you know, playing a lesser role because that, that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, because I, I see him like, I think as long as he, he takes care of his body, he doesn't get injured as often. He, he's not reckless no more, right? You don't see him banging through the boards. I mean, sometimes you do, right? It's like vintage Ovi. Um, I see him like very, hopefully he'll have a same uh, career like Yamir Yager, where he plays until like 45, 46. You know what I mean? Like he just and he still scores, which is the wildest part. Like he still scores at in his forties. You know, I think, I think with Ovi, how he sees like Tom Brady, how he sees um, other sports, he sees Drew Brees. I think he will. And you know, another example is Yarmir Yager. I think he will prove to the you know to the to the you know to the to hockey that he can still play at this level, as long as you he takes care of himself. And, you know, he has a chance to win a Stanley Cup. I think those are the two conditions in order for him to, to break the record, in my opinion. Yeah, and to just, like, pull the curtain back a little bit, too. Like, I know he, he is absurd with his training now. He wasn't before. Like, there's a reason that he, you know, we don't hear about him coming into camp out of shape anymore. Like, he pumps millions of dollars just like, like Russell Wilson into, like, staying healthy. He has a chef. Um, I know it was funny when – all the first shutdowns happened with COVID. Um, he was training with his personal trainer and everybody's kind of like, why, why is this trainer here? Well, he has a personal trainer flown in from Russia to get him ready for the playoffs every year. I had no idea that was a thing. So I was thinking like, Oh man, like we're, we're good here. Like he knows how healthy he has to be. He understands it. He's got the money. He'll, he'll be healthy for a while. Man. So like in your opinion, um, Kahlo, is he the most, do you think he'll be the greatest like sports athlete in DC? in our time yeah absolutely I mean bar none I mean it it's tough to quantify because I know if the football team were to win a Super Bowl like this town would go nuts and I know how old school most of the fans are but I quantified it in a different way with Ovi like he turned us all into hockey fans you know the caps existed but I didn't watch hockey growing up well a whole generation two generations now have watched him and like that means a bunch of kids are picking up hockey sticks. A bunch of kids have picked up OV jerseys and they're still playing. Like imagine carrying a whole entire sport on your back. I think that's more than any athlete could say in the city because, you know, with the football team slash Redskins, doesn't matter who was playing, right? It was Joe Gibbs was the coach and they won championships and there was a ton of people. Ovechkin put a whole entire sport and team on his back and like got everyone to watch and buy in and sell that place out every night. Everyone bought tickets to watch him, not everyone else. And yeah, bar none, best athlete we're ever going to have in this city, honestly.
Yeah, and you know the Capitals were the only DC sports um, team that sold out every night. It sold yeah. out every night. You know, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Hopefully, I, I'm really pulling for Ovi to, to you know to be the sporting record and hopefully win another Stanley Cup. So, hopefully, that's that's the <laughs> key word. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so we're almost um, towards the end of this, uh, Carlos. So. Um, you are also the host of the uh, Washington Football Today on ESPN 630. Um, what is your current outlook on the team uh, this season, and what you know what their future unfolds? Uh, oh, that's a that's a loaded question. Um, in terms of this year, I'll just start off with this year. Um, honestly, this is where Bram and I actually get along, like in terms of playing off each other really well because he loves the football team grew up a diehard fan they won championships whatever right for me that's not the case I mean I'm 31 they've sucked almost my whole life like I see nothing so I'm very very doom and gloom and that's kind of how I came into this season I came into the season doom and gloom we all knew they were going to be bad um, but it was going to be how bad and in what different ways I was super tough on Ron Rivera from the beginning like he was saying some crazy things in the early parts of the season. I'm sure you saw it on Twitter and stuff. He, he was all over the place and I kind of, I tried to stay off of it, but he was just going nuts and I had no hope really. But um, I think this is the culture building year. I mean, we kind of knew it coming in. I also have to look back to the Eagles game kind of set everyone's expectations off. Like everyone thought they were going to be amazing. And I think we all got a little out of hand a little too fast, as we do in this market. I mean, it's just we were craving. We're gonna win a Super Bowl. We're one and no, right? <laughs> Pretty much, dude. Like that's that's how it goes around here. So, um, I, I I kind of like had to reset myself, but I like what he's done so far. Honestly, they've got really good pieces all around. Obviously, they don't have it all because they're not winning. But when you look at offense, like I love Antonio Gibson. I love Terry McLaurin. I already call him a top five Washington receiver of all time. Like he's got to be on everyone's list at this point. Um, and there are some pieces around. And then of course the defense, like that defensive line is fun to watch every week. It's been a while since I've been able to just turn on a game and just watch a dude like Chase Young play. And just, even if they're winning or losing, love what I'm seeing. And so that defensive line I love they just kind of need to get it together because I'm still mad about Sunday about the about the Giants game they, they should have won that um and so all I'll say for this year is the culture being laid down and I have no doubt that actually like Ron Rivera is the right choice right now they need a quarterback which is another thing that kind of reared its head this week with Haskins you know I guess saying he was working out off the field and Smith is starting, whatever. Uh, they're going to need a quarterback. That's kind of like my assessment really moving forward. But I like what I see. And the, the problem that I hated with Jay Gruden was like, you know how it is. They were getting blown out like consistently. And they never did that. Even when they were bad under Gibbs, on, on a bad under Shanahan, bad under Zorn, like name your coach. They were never like destroyed, destroyed when they were playing. So I'm glad we're Vera kind of has them back to at least competing and playing for four quarters. Let's start there and then see where it goes. But I, I'm very hopeful for the future of the team right now. And, and honestly, you had to kind of drag some stuff in the mud over the summer. The cheerleader stuff came out, like Larry Michael got let go. I mean, there was a ton of stuff that happened and it all got aired out and you're not going to fix that stuff overnight, but it's good when you kind of replace those people with better people. So hopeful is my outlook.
Yeah, the hopeful, right? For the past what twenty years and counting yeah. for all of this. <laughs> this one, this one, I mean it though. Like I think all of us are like, oh man, like they, they looks like they could be good. I think this time around, it's 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 real. <laughs> yeah, they they do get have pieces, and you know, for me, like I'm I'm a Hassan's guy. Like I bought his jersey. You know, I admit it. Um, I hopefully he sticks around. Um, I know those. You know what people say on the radio and through um, you know sports reporters you know, that trickles down, right, from the players too. So hopefully for him, it's a humbling experience because if he's affected about it, then he's not going to – he's going to be out of here by next year. So yeah. he has to show tough skin that, you know what, whatever the coach tells me to do, I just have to do it. You know, if he – if it's going to be, you know, um, Montez uh, – I forgot his name um, – Steven Montez, right, as a quarterback, so be it. This is a this is a, a developing year for me because I, I I I'm still a rookie. I think you know what I mean. Like he has to be mature about like with everything. You know he yep. he can't. That's why I, you don't hear him like so much. Like social media, like it it kills the athlete. Like he was getting mm-hmm. so he was getting butt hurt seeing like these like <laughs> report. You know what I mean? Like and it shows because that's his age, you know, he's like 23, 24. Like it's still not a mature age. He's not how I wish like he's athletes, like, you know, like Terry McClure and like good, you know, good, you know, good athlete where he's very calm, collective, and he's very soft-spoken, you know, uh, Haskins, my opinion, like he's, he's still immature, but I, I hope in time that this is a humbling experience for him this year, because I, I still think like we still have to, that quarter and we still have that quarterback you know that quarterback is still here that the future of the quarterback it's still in the roster my opinion i i wouldn't want to waste a pick you know a mid-tier pick where you have so much need you get you need a left tackle right you need a right tackle you know o-line you need a linebacker those those are bigger needs than a quarterback my opinion um and a quarterback you can you know you just have to trust in you know the system my opinion so it, yeah no, it depends where they're drafting too like if they can't get one of like the top two or three then draft your best player available I say this all the time on the football team show with with Haskins like if he wasn't practicing hard or studying up those first three games of the season and that's what we saw like I hope he does start to practice harder and study up because it means he can play really well right but from everything I've heard, he, you know, I don't, I don't want to say he has an attitude problem because I don't think that's the case. I think he is, his confidence gets um, kind of skewed for arrogance at times. But, you know, I've heard that the practice habits aren't that great. And that was what kind of led to the benching. It was that Kyle Allen and Alex Smith were kind of showing up before he was and putting the work in and he wasn't. And, you know, I think this is Rivera, honestly, just saying like, look, I know you're better than this and I need you to be better than this because if you are, you figure out a really big problem for us. And if you kind of are mediocre, you solve nothing and we still got to go get a quarterback anyway. So I'm with you. If he does clean things up, he'll be on this team again next year. And I'm hopeful that like that could be the case. I also know where this goes. We, we had RG three in this town and, and how we all know how that kind of got really ugly towards the end of I'm not running this offense. My dad doesn't want to run this. I'm, he was Dan Snyder's golden boy. Like it was, it was crazy at the end of that. So yeah. I think if he puts the work in, you know, he is yeah. the answer, but yeah. who knows if that's going to happen. So there, for me, like, you know, I'm glad you pointed out with uh, RG3. There, there's a big, for me, there's a big contrast and difference with RG3 and Dwayne Haskins. 
and it's health. You know, mm-hmm. you know, with of course Haskins got hurt towards the end of the year, um, and yeah. I think you know he lost a lot of weight. You know, he's he's muscled up. I think he can take the pounding as a as an NFL like standard quarterback. RG three was very frail. You know, let's let's face it. You know, there was a you know like when he got hurt with with Nada with his knee, and then he got hurt with the Seattle game. Um, you know, you saw the big beginning of the end. Um, you know, it was a nice ride in 2012, but um, my you know my opinion, you know, Haskins does have the tools. He just has to be mentally like prepared. And that's it. He has all the physical attributes, you know. No, I I totally agree. The, the different. It's funny. The difference between him and RG three though is, I think we all knew RG three was frail, but that twenty twelve year was like magical. Like mm-hmm. the way he ran the ball, the way he would he would fling it. He looked like Michael Vick, the second coming of him, and yeah. then it all fell apart. Whereas yeah. with Haskins, I think I think a lot of people are convinced off of very little, which I'm fine with. But I'm waiting for him to like have that game where he is just slinging the ball around, has a confident game, and then we can build on it. And I think that's been tough so far. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Kyle. So we're towards the end of this, um, this uh, podcast. I appreciate it. So my last question to you, you can ask me a question. Um, all right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be selfish here. What, what do I need to keep doing for my brand? Like, what do you like seeing from me on, on all the stuff that I post on social media and stuff like that? I know it's kind of like a question about myself, but I don't get this opportunity often. So what do you like that I like post about and all that stuff? Not, now that I, that I got to know you more, Kahlo, I want to see more of your, um, your game worn, like, like okay. sports memorabilia. Like, I want to see, I want to see all your jerseys. Maybe you can do a theme that you can do like a Washington national. Maybe like, I would say maybe like towards like the beginning, like ramping up spring training. You can see, I want to see like spring training gear, um, you know, towards opening day. Maybe you can do like a breakdown of like, you know, uh, opening day uh, fitted hats with the, with the, with the patches. Like you were saying the inaugural one. I think that's a, that's a solid, like I maybe have seen it maybe once or twice on like TV or maybe on, on Getty images, mm-hmm. but for, for someone to, have it and like physically like show it i think that'll be cool for you to like display it um because it, it also goes hand in hand with your work right like oh this is you know i'm a producer for 6 30 i'm actually posting like nat stuff you know kind of goes hand in hand kind of thing so i want to see more yeah. of like your your merchandise like you're in i also want to see um yeah definitely want to see that ring again uh the stanley cup <laughs> ring and then you know, like just just you know, sports memories. Like um, I think you you had that was a cool picture of you with the Maryland Crabs, like with the Stanley Cup. That was yeah, a cool, yeah, yeah. That was definitely like a cool moment. So you know, maybe like just like little stuff that you've done, you know, maybe with your family, um, maybe like when you were a kid, like when you, you when you're watching like Redskins games, um, you know, you like cheering for Gilbert Arenas, you know, that, like what you're doing now, you're wearing a number nine jersey. I think those type of things, like, I think those will be very helpful, like, for you to post, like, on your social media. Because, like I said, that goes head in hand when you when you work for 630 because, hey, like, Calo, like, I like what you're doing. We know I want you to push more stuff, like, push more, like, not stuff, push more, like, caps, like, stuff. You know, that kind yeah. of, like, go. it's just going to trickle down. Like, you'll get like you know guests and you'll get more like opportunities that way i think 
when you show your passion on something, it just like, it'll just come naturally, right? Like you'll have opportunities, definitely opportunities. And then you'll have a different, um, you know, you'll, you'll start generating conversations. Like me and you, like we talk like, you know, on the, on, on the daily about like DC sports. So mm. I think you'll just have a better, you'll have a bigger following in my opinion. Cause you're, you're known, you're known in the, in a DMV. You're known as Callow, you know, they don't call you Mike. You're yeah. Callow on the radio. So, yeah. you know, I think if you show those things, I think that that'll be very helpful for you as like career wise. And also like, we also want to like see like your personal side too. Like, um, you know, uh, you like you were you know like your your girlfriend like wearing a washington bullets like starter uh jacket that's a very rare that's a rare jacket not not many people know like stuff like i mean you know that's a very rare jacket you can't that jacket i think it's like six hundred dollars on ebay like right now like i've been looking for i've been looking for one honestly you can't find it that thing is hard to find (laughs) um I do have one more for you um, before we wrap it up. Sure. I know you're more shoes than I am. Uh, I'm like more, I'm like more geek shoes where it's like, I like to buy like the star Wars kicks and the dragon ball Z shoes. And I'm all like nerded out. I have all the Marvel kicks, like all of it, but you have like my favorite lines ever. And those are all the Gilbert arena shoes. So what are your favorite pairs of gills that you have? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Um, if you want, I can bring one out. A uh, couple. You want to? You want to see them? Yeah. Why not? Sure. All right. All right. I'll, <laughs> give me that two seconds. All right, Carlos. So I will I'll do a little show and tell for you. So um, you said your favorite game was the 60-point game, right, With uh, against Kobe yeah. with Gilbert Arenas. Yeah. So um, if you saw me on my social media, I actually met, I met Gil very first time, uh, hard to believe, uh, this past January. Um, when Kobe passed away, he wanted to, you know, you know, reach out to the kids. He wanted to it was actually Kobe that wanted him to be like, you know, like a, a, a coach to the kids, right? Because he has kids of his own. Uh, when he passed away, like he basically pushed, you know what, I want to be like a, I want to be like a coach, you know, just like Kobe told me to do. So he, on his social media, he was saying, oh yeah, you know, like I'm doing like an open run, you know, any kids is invited. So I actually had my, my five-year-old, I wrote my five-year-old with me. I dressed him <laughs> up in like Gilbert Arena's gear. And then like, <laughs> He like I saw him like he saw me and I was wearing like Gilbert and stuff like he just like had the biggest grin like like <laughs> do I know you and then we just like talked we just talked like you know before like I got there early so um I bought I got he signed all my jerseys I have like 
about like 15 Gilberino jerseys. So that's another thing you know about me. Like I have a lot of Gilberino stuff. Yeah. One jersey that very special to me was the 60 point game jersey. So it's wow. the Gilberino's one. So um, I told Gil, hey Gil, can you sign this jersey? And then can you write 60 points on Gil, on uh, Kobe? <laughs> Dang, that's awesome. So he wrote that's- that and he's, Actually, he said, are you for real? Like, you, you want me to write that? Like, yeah. And then, <laughs> since I live in California, like, a lot of people were like, why you got to do that to Kobe? Because the man <laughs> did it to Kobe, like, when he was alive. Like, God bless his soul. Um, and then uh, another pair of sneakers that, um, if you know Gil, like, I, he had a Adidas line, right? Like, and then he lost it because, um, because of the gun incident. So, right. do you remember when he started wearing designer shoes? Yes. Yeah. Every day he wore a different pair. So, there was this one pair he wore against the Lakers. I think it was back in 2009, I believe. Um, and the story was it was Nick Young's pair that he wore pregame. And basically, he took him out of Nick, Lung, Nick Young's locker room and um, he wore them in the game. So, these are the, the Dolce and Gabbana's. Wow. So these, this is a, this thing was hard to find, man. Like I had to, it was on eBay. It was actually, <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I've been searching like on eBay. So I actually got it for a pretty good deal. I got it for about, I think it was like 125 bucks. Oh, so I've nice. been, yeah. I've been yeah. offered like crazy amount of money. Like a lot of people have been asking me for like, can you, won't you just sell them to me? Like, no, I, I can't. Like, this is like history. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. exactly. So um, the pair, my all-time favorite pair, um, I don't know if you remember, there was the, uh, the Gil 20s. Uh, I think it was like 2006. It was the year he hurt his knee. Um, okay. he, was sh- he was showing like um, different types of shoes. So like he did like um, Halo. He did one for Halo. Yeah. He did one yeah. for NBA Live 2008. I have the, um, the NBA Live ones. <laughs> yeah, the NBA Live. Yeah, those are pretty sick. But my favorite all-time shoe that he ever made, and I haven't worn this, is the uh, the Benihanas. Yes, yes, the Hibachi ones. Yeah, Hibachi. So, um, I think it was Bram. I remember I heard him like, "Yeah, I wanted those Gilbert Arenas, the red ones." Like, <laughs> I was, oh, I was yelling, "Oh, you talking about the Gilbert Arenas, like the Hibachis?" So, like <laughs> these, I've never worn. Um, I actually have a sign paired by with uh, the Gilbert sign. That mm-hmm. one's in my closet. Um. So that's like keepsake for me. So um, yeah, I have. Hopefully, I can get more stuff. I mean, it's just hard to find. A lot of people aren't really interested, but um, you know, maybe down the road, maybe his stuff will like retro again. You know, and hopefully that'll come out. So hopefully we'll, you know, hopefully that happens, right? Yeah. No, like I know I keep an eye on all of his stuff on my like on ebay and it actually doesn't really come down like there's always a market for it i guess people yeah. i don't know if it's dmv people or basketball fans or what but his stuff stays selling um the only I, the only shoes i've got of his though i have the nba live ones i had the whiteboard ones i don't know if you remember those, oh the chalkboard like, yeah where you can write like as yeah. a marker right yeah yeah but i wore them i like warm into the ground because like i was in high school when i got them so like they got beat up beat up so i don't i think those are gone and then I have when he had the light switch shoes the year before he had like all the custom ones. Oh, the Gil Zero. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He did a thing on his website. It was it was crazy. 
um, where it was 25 bucks and he sent you a signed personalized Jersey and one signed shoe. So yep. I still have that somewhere too with, with him signed that. So yeah, prize possessions though. And awesome. as, you, as you always like to say, play of prices, that, that was the, the biggest <laughs> play. Of right. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you met Gil before? Like have you in all, yeah. all the time? Never did. No, because when, when he got super popular, like you couldn't even get down to the lower bowl or anything when they were yeah. playing. Like he, he was so, you know, crazy. But, you know, I'm hoping he does like an, a memorabilia signing one of these days and I'll, I'll bring a bunch of stuff. Yeah. For him. I don't even care. You know what? It was, <laughs> it was funny, right? Because I, I had a long ass conversation with him. Um, it was a time like back in January. I was like, dude, I, I'm your biggest fan. And he knows like I have all this stuff. And I told him, like, hey, you know what? Everybody still loves you, like, back home in D.C. I said, I know. Like, yeah. it's just that, you know, stuff happens. Like, and um, if you heard the podcast, have you heard? Do you listen to um, uh, Buck and Phil's podcast? So I, I heard his episode. That um, one's, I, I that, tune in, but his, his was amazing. Yeah. So everything you said on that podcast was, he, was everything he told to me. Like, every, like, my jersey is retired in everyone's closet. And I don't, yeah. I don't need to have my jersey like you know, hanging in, in, in the rafters, because I know those. I have memories with these people. Every time, like he yeah. threw a, he threw a jersey, or like he signs, you know, people wait in line, crazy amount of hours, because he was once like, like us, like he doesn't want to have like us to go through like the stuff that he went through. That's why he's like the people's champion, right? right? Like he was always like oh, yeah. all about the people. Dude, I mean, I know uh, you know how it is on like Wizards Twitter and NBA Twitter, but like when I see people going to bat like they do for John Wall, I'm always like, and this is no, no, like, you know, not to John, but I'm always like, man, John's not half the dude Gilbert was for this city. I know he's been here twice as long, but I was just, John is not this city. Gilbert was this city. He like, had the keys. He I, had the keys. I, yeah. Yeah, like I will go to the grave with that one. And like I said, I don't want to like slight John in a major way, but he's not Gil. And like, you know, that's fine. But people that go to bat for John like crazy, I'm like, nah, it's always going to be Gil for me. Ride or die with Gil. Oh, yeah. we were And Bram, too. Shout out to Bram, you know. Like, hopefully, I, I you know, we can we can talk to him, talk about the Gil stuff. And I can show him, like, hey, hey, Bram, you want to talk about, like, Gil shoes? Oh, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, are those my size? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so that wraps it up with uh, Mike Callow. Thank you so much, Mike, uh, for um, you know coming on tonight. So where where they can where can they find you on uh, social media and on you know on the radio? Um, so social media, I'm at Mike underscore Callow. That's both on Twitter and, and IG, same same name. Um, and then on the radio, man, I'm all over the place right now. So uh, I do updates uh, from 12 o'clock on on ESPN 6:30. And if you're not in the area, SportsCapitalDC.com or the ESPN 6:30 app, you can listen on there. And then I'm co-hosting with Bram three to six every single day. And then um, six to seven, I'm doing the Washington football team uh, daily show. So, you know, if, if you got any time in the afternoons, I'm usually there somewhere around there, but any, anywhere you want to get it and there's podcasts of all of it. So. Awesome. All right. So that wraps it up for episode 20 with Mike Callow. You guys have a good night.